welcome back to the show, everybody. I think that you guys all miss me because uh, I was absent from the airwaves for quite a bit of time. It's a busy time this summer for me, but uh, I am back. Now, this time again, I'm going to be in the passenger seat and the driver will be Saad Nadim. And you guys remember Saad. He's been on my podcast many, many times and a very intelligent and knowledgeable certified financial planner. This time around with Saad, we are going to be talking about the financial challenges of foreign trained physicians. However, this being said, as you listen to the podcast, you will realize that this also applies to Canadian trained physicians for whom this is their second career or they started late in medicine. Or maybe this is for the physician who's completed their PGY 5000 and now trying to complete a PhD to now become a staff maybe in the next 10 years. And so you understand that, you know, the longer we wait to start earning an income and as we approach age of retirement, the more financial challenges these physicians will face. And so this is definitely not just for foreign trained physicians. It is also for physicians who are in a financial situation where they are later in life and now looking for something in retirement and proper financial planning. So I hope you guys enjoy the show and I will uh, leave it to Saad. financial health doc welcome to the financial literacy podcast for healthcare professionals where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo all right welcome to your rich fulfilling life show i'm your host sad nadim and i am ecstatic Absolutely ecstatic to have my good friend Vu on our podcast today for the first time because I've always been the one who uh, has received the love on the other side and been asked to come on Vu's show. But today is a special day because after three years, we're finally going to do this. And Dr. Vu Kiet Tran in the flesh here with us on your Rich Fulfilling Life show. How are you doing, Vu? Hey, I'm I'm great, Saad. You know, but you know what? I've been waiting for three years. <laughs> you you you're excited because it's been three years. I've been waiting for three years. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's an absolute uh, pleasure to have you here, Vu. I think it's going to be a really really fun conversation today, in terms of how we're going to be able to provide quite a lot of value for internationally trained physicians, um, or even obviously just physicians in general in Canada. You know, I really wanted to get started here with your background story first, because I think that is where a lot of internationally trained physicians may find themselves, uh, where you were in your beginning of your journey. But uh, I let you explain that. Yeah, thank you. Listen, um, I think in some ways I can relate or internationally trained physicians can relate to my story. As you know, Saad, we've been we've been we've been talking to each other for many years now, at least three, four years now. 
Yeah. And uh, you know that I'm a, a refugee. I, yeah. I was a refugee uh, with my parents. We came from Vietnam back in the 1970s, late 1970s. This is right after the Vietnam War. And so uh, we came as refugees to uh, Montreal. We landed in Montreal in December, uh, like in the middle of the winter with a, a T-shirt and a, and a pair of shorts. Um, and like we never knew what winter was, you know, coming from Vietnam. And so we had really nothing. Uh, my parents had nothing. We grew up in Montreal with nothing, never owned a home. I tell people all the time, the, the most valuable thing we ever possessed in our entire lifetime while we were there was a uh, subway card, you know, <laughs> a, a Metro pass. Uh, we didn't own a house. We didn't, we didn't own a, a home. We rented all the time. And the most valuable thing we ever had on us at all times was a Metro pass. With my parents, you no, know, you can't do anything. I, I wouldn't be the where I am today without my parents. So with my parents, uh, put us through university, put us through med school. I put me through med school. Uh, and then I became a doctor in 2000 and moved to Toronto. And you know what? Uh, when you when you become a doctor, you're like, oh, I finally made it. Uh, now working, uh, you know, making good money. I mean, I won't I won't shy away from saying that we we make good money as physicians in canada and uh i knew nothing absolutely nothing zero or less than nothing about finances and personal finance let alone investing i had i had some colleagues who are day trading swing trading you know whatever trading they were trading business cards and they were trading hockey cards but <laughs> they were trading a whole bunch of things and i was just like i have no clue what you're talking about so I went to the bank and uh, spoke to the manager. I said, hey, I moved from Montreal. I know nothing about Toronto. Uh, I'm starting a new job. Uh, can I open a bank account? And, uh, you know, what should I do with my money that comes in on a monthly basis? What, what should I be doing? Well, you should invest in RSPs. You should do this. Uh, let's do a KYC. So know your client. Not surprisingly, I came out as you know, nerdy conservative. Conservative, yeah. Yeah, conservative. <laughs> uh, so here, Vu, sign on this dotted line. Of course, I signed. And uh, let's start investing, right? So put me in some fund, conservative balance fund. And uh, I just let it ride for 13 years. So I continue working. 13 years? 13 years. Wow. Yeah, 13 years. I just let it ride. Um, and uh, I was perfecting my craft, right? I was brand new out of school just learning how to be a human being uh learning how to be a, a good doctor learning how to be a good emergency doctor and just saying yes to everything working everything that's proposed to me i mean the only thing i didn't do is uh is dance in a bar like everything else i did right? <laughs> so I, I i learned my craft and i've totally neglected totally absolutely neglected my own personal finance and then 13 years later, 2013, I go back to the bank manager and say, hey, how did I do, by the way? You know, I'm 13 years later, I'm a little bit wiser. I've, I've now got a, I now got married uh, and now have a, a child. Um, you know, what should I be looking for? How did I do? You know what, Vu, you did great since inception, which is 2000. Until now, you made 1.7% or 1.3, something, something ridiculously wow. low. Yeah. <laughs> And I just, I'm like, what? You call that good? He says, yeah, that's pretty good, Vu. I'm like, really? 
Mm. And I, 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 my, I was steaming. I was steaming. I was so angry. Not at the, not at the bank manager. Absolutely not. It wasn't his fault. Like mean, he does what he needs to do. He put me in the right funds because I came out as conservative. I, he put me in the things that he was supposed to put me in. But I was extremely angry because for 13 years, I neglected my own personal finance. And like I said, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. And in 2013, I had already had my MBA. I already done my MBA. Yeah. And I just like, what just happened? I lost 13 years of my life. I yeah. work. I work hard. Like I said, I said yes to everything. Like I was working, God, 80, 90 hours a week because I was saying yes to everything and I was just working very hard. And I thought to myself, am I going to do this for the rest of my life, working 80, 90 hours a week and burning myself out and make 1.3%? That's when I said no more. Like you have to stop this craziness, boo. Yeah. And so what I did, I started reading and, and, and not the New England Journal of Medicine, you know, mm. not JAMA, not, none of these. Like, of course, I have to because I'm an eMERGE doc and I have to be, you know, up to date to my medical knowledge. But I took it upon myself and made it really clear to myself that I could not no longer neglect my own personal finance. So I started buying books, just finance books which I knew nothing about, by the way. And I just like, mm -hmm. what's, what's the best book? I came across this. My very first book that I bought, believe it or not, was called Beat the Bank by Larry oh, yeah. Bates. Larry Bates. Yeah. Larry Bates. Amazing book. Mm -hmm. And then the second book I bought, oh, you know, what's this rich guy, poor, poor, rich dad, poor dad guy, yeah. you know, who was on Oprah. I heard about him at some point in my life. I'm like, sure, I'll buy this book. And then that led me to more books and more books. And and meeting yourself, Saad, and meeting other people, and then just trying to understand personal finance. And with that, just continue my journey. So, I mean, I, I, I feel many people are in this position today, especially from the conversations that I have. Uh, they may not have waited 13 years, but many people, I feel like, do start off that path where I just became a physician, I just have to make sure I'm in the good books with the college, learn my craft, do well, um, put my head down and just get to work and hoping that everything else will be OK. But obviously not. Right. You still have to focus everywhere. But based on your experience now in terms of what you know today, uh, what would you say are like some of the things you wish you knew then that you knew now as the most impactful? Uh, this is what I've learned throughout this whole learning that one, I'm, I'm not the only one like that. Um, as physicians, we're great at what we do. Like Canadian, American trained, North American trained physicians are top notch physicians in the world. So mm -hmm. we're very good at what we do, but we're very bad at what we don't do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I, I say a lot to my colleagues and to anybody who wants to listen to me. We are the dumbest smart person that I that we know. <laughs> right? We are the dumbest that's, smart person that we know. That's my wife. That's what she says. She's that's like, a, yeah. I'm the smartest, dumbest person she knows. <laughs> there you go. You know, there you go. Because we're very good and very smart at what we do. 
uh, but we're very dumb when it comes to, you know, finances, when it comes to personal finances, investments, etc. So that's the first thing I learned. It was very, it was very scary at first because I'm like, oh, well, what's going to happen to my future? Like, am I going to be having to work 80, 90 hours a week for the rest of my life just to survive? So mm -hmm. that was the first thing I learned. Scary. The second thing that I learned is that we have to take charge. And I, I don't mean be, be good at every single financial planning item solution. No. What I mean is we need to still put our hand on the wheel, right? And, and have the autopilot, but still keep our hand on the wheel, right? Yeah. That's, um, and that's important because many of us, like you say, work, 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 put our head down, just work, 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 and let other people take care of it. Unfortunately, other people don't always take care of it. And yeah, so we, and need to, we need to do that. Just because, you know, the person is in the position in terms of in your situation was the banker, he does a KYC and he's like, oh, based on yours, you are conservative. But if a few more questions were asked of that person on the other side of the desk, one would understand really fast that this person doesn't actually know anything. Um, they just have that chauffeur knowledge, which is that tip of the iceberg knowledge, right? Where... Obviously, like you said, like the onus is on you to ask these questions. You can't just leave it on autopilot. You have to figure out who the right people are to help you make sure they pass the chauffeur test. They actually know what they're talking about. And then you'll actually be in a position where you can actually be on autopilot and just put your finger on the wheel type of thing, you know, and then, you know, you're going to be fine. Um, but I think I feel like that's what it is, uh, because this is not the first time. Uh, obviously, I'm hearing this. I, we had a client we just brought on a, a, a week ago, and he literally told me the exact same story. It's literally the exact same thing. It's like I went, my accountant told me to go to the bank, open an RSP. So I went in there and the guy's like, okay, so you want a GIC RSP or you want to, you want a stock in uh, RSP? Well, he's like, well, stocks are risky. I don't want any of that, you know, but my accountant told me to open an RSP. Uh, he's like, so what do you think I should do? And the guy's like, okay, well, just, just open a stock RSP, do your KYC, came out conservative. Of course, it's going to come out conservative because you didn't even take the time to explain what this actually means. How much time do you have to retirement what does it actually mean to be an aggressive investor are you really going to lose all your money is your money going to be invested in penny stocks or is it actually going to be a well-balanced portfolio where you're still going to be okay and as you get to retirement we'll actually take off some of that risk and make you conservative eventually but maybe not 30 years out <laughs> you know so right. that's what i feel where a lot of people are in terms of like you know the the chauffeur test uh like what do you think of that yeah, I, I think I think what what happens is that banker, I, I've known him for many, many years. And uh, and even at the time, I, I thought he was a very uh, educated and knowledgeable person. That being said, not everybody working at the bank is knowledgeable and sophisticated. I mean, a lot of these come up and come up the ranks as a clerk and then they come up the ranks and then they become, you know, personal managers and then they become managers of the bank. And but. So it depends who you who you get. But my banker at the time was someone who's been in the business for a long, long time. So he wasn't definitely not a junior. But where I think the problem was, and my 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 analogy of you know putting your hand on the wheel is, you know, the autopilot will take you and will go at a certain speed and you'll be fine. But you still need to know 
when it's time to break. <laughs> yeah. And you still need to know when it's time to turn right or get off the exit. Right. And, yeah. and, and that the onus is on you. It's on me. Mm -hmm. The onus is on me. Now, when he told me, hey, Vu, your KYC is your conservative, blah, 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 blah. And you're right to your point. He didn't explain the rest. I'm sure he knew. He didn't explain. Of course he knows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course he knows. But, you know, I was 26 at the time. I yeah. could take a bit more risk. I had time exactly. horizon, right? Yeah. I had risk capacity. I also had risk tolerance. I, I had a yeah. whole bunch of things. And he never explained that to me. And he yeah. said, yeah, you're conservative. You're 26 year old. Let's put you in conservative. And and the onus is on me to say, to push back and say, okay, I get it. I, I know my KYC says conservative, but you know what? I don't plan to retire till I'm 65, which is 40 years from now. You know, can I not tolerate a little bit more risk? Should I not be a little bit more risky now? And by the way, not all stocks are risky. You know, yeah. if I buy the Bells and the Scotia Bank and the TD Bank and the Embridge of the world, those you'll those be are, fine. You'll be fine. Those are pretty solid stocks. And if those are not fine, we have much bigger problems. <laughs> Absolutely, right? It's if those are not if those are not solid, we have nuclear bombs to deal with, not, yeah. not the stock market. And so this and that was the problem. The problem is, and, and that's the third thing I learned, right? The third thing I learned, which may sound really offensive, and I, I don't want it to be, but mm -hmm. it, it will come up as being offensive. That there's a there's a different standard in the financial industry, right? As physicians, and all physicians know, because we all swore to the Hippocratic Oath. And the Hippocratic Oath is... You do your best for your patient. Mm -hmm. And all of us, all of us in healthcare, I'm not just talking about doctors, dentists, um, nurses, nurse practitioners, physician assistant, chiropractors, optometrists, everybody in healthcare subscribe by what I call the highest standard of fiduciary duty, which is best interest. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we recommend, suggest is always in the, in the patient's or client's best interest. Mm -hmm. it, this is not the same in the financial industry, right? The financial industry, the, the standard that they operate on is suitability, not best interest. And that I did not understand. I, did, I wasn't even aware, right? It takes people like yourself, Saad. It takes other people who are portfolio managers, the highest standard of fiduciary duty to actually deliver that. But if you're a manager at a bank or a financial institution and you're selling Scotia funds, you're selling TD funds, that's all you're selling. Yeah. And 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 it may be suitable, but not best for your clients. Yes. Right. And that's what I did not understand. And so not having that knowledge, not having that hand on the steering wheel to say, I get it. I understand you're suggesting to me, you know, national bank mutual funds or whatever funds it is, but is that really best for me at my stage of my career, my life, my, my investment uh, journey? Is that the best for me? I know it's, it's good enough, but is that the best for me? And I didn't even have that knowledge to even ask that question. And that was on me. Yeah. And, and I think, see, uh, I mean, it, it, it happened in my case. So, and thankful to God for, for putting that thought in my head, <laughs> you know, uh, otherwise it, it, you're right. Because um, at my ex company, 
um, you know, regardless of what your problem is and regardless of what we're trying to do, it would always be the company's name first and then a fund the right after, right? And I worked at the bank in the beginning, same idea, then worked at this other company, same idea. And I'm looking at my designations. I'm a CFP, I'm a CLU, I'm an RRC, I'm working on a whole bunch of other things. My wife says I'm always studying for something. I thought I finished school a long time ago, um, right? But so what is all happening? But with all these designations, it pretty much puts me in a, in a place where I have to have my client's best interest at all times. And even if it was not put it on me with, with these designations, just in my heart, I want to make sure that I can sleep properly at night and knowing that I've done the best for everybody I've come across. But when you're working at some of these other institutions, it makes it really hard. Some people tell us they want to buy real estate. We'll help them do that. You know how many people have told me, physicians have told me, I told my guy at the bank, I want to buy real estate. And he's like trying to convince me that real estate is not a good investment because when he does that, then that's down payment money that comes out of the portfolio that he's not going to get paid out on anymore. Right. Right. So and I'm just it, looking at it like, how is that even legal? <laughs> yeah. We, I, and I, in the other book, the other book that brings me back to a point, the other book that I read many, many years ago, even before getting in, interested in personal finance, is uh, Freakonomics. Yeah. Have you ever read that book? book? Yeah. That's a good like, book. it's an amazing book. And yeah. it's a book, and, and it, it boils down to one message in my mind. There's many more. Mm -hmm. But it boils down to one message. You need to understand the other person's incentive. Yeah. Right. And what is the incentive for the portfolio manager to help you buy real estate? None. None. Zero. Zero. Because yeah. if you take money out of the investment, he has less money to manage. Yeah. Therefore, he makes less money. But you make more money on the real estate side, potentially. Yeah. So, so the 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 person, the investment manager, will say, "No, never do never do real estate because once you decide to do real estate, you're taking twenty percent out of the portfolio and you make twenty percent less." And 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 you know what the thing is, we've gotten so many clients, but just helping them buy real estate, it's so. And the thing is, I just don't even understand. Like I like personally speaking, obviously, you know, in a in a bias where I I I'm. I'm hoping this continues so RFL will just grow to a crazy <laughs> company um, because it's not even that hard to actually really help people. Like, you know, our North Compass, help mm -hmm. people live a rich, fulfilling life, regardless of what it is. They want to buy real estate, help them do that. They want to do money in the stock market, help them do that. They want to look at other asset classes, let's do that. They want to set up pensions, let's do that. And I think the independence is what's key for internationally trained physicians. Uh, like I kind of give an example of, and a, a lot of people do get it. I say, imagine you're a physician and why do your patients trust you? Because they know you're going to give them independent advice, right? So if they come to VU and they say, okay, well, you know, this is hurting and this is aching and this is happening and that's happening. VU is an independent physician and he's going to give the best advice for this patient. It might be to start taking medication. It might be to stop doing certain things in his lifestyle to help them get better. We don't know. It doesn't have to lead to some sort of a prescription necessarily. Right. But yeah, imagine now, right. Yeah. But imagine now all of a sudden you are employed by a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. The dynamics change. Yeah. And I think when I tell this story to a lot of physicians, they finally, I'm like, Oh, okay. I get it. It's because, we are not employed by the pharmaceutical company at RFL, but you're, but how are you supposed to know what you don't know?
Well, <laughs> I say that all the time, right? You're right. You you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so if you don't know, how are you going to ask the intelligent questions? You yeah. can't because you, yeah. you have no background. You have no context. And um, you need to ask the intelligent questions because that's the only time you're going to know that this is best for you. Now, you may have two possible solutions, right? And, uh, and you may have five clients in front of you. And those two solutions may be the best solutions, but it may not be the correct solution for client number five. And so All client number five, yeah, client number five needs to understand that, hey, I, I should ask some questions and, and try to understand and maybe realize that the two solutions Saad has for me is not right for me. Saad needs to build a third solution. And that's what yeah. Saad's going to do. Um, and so we, we understand that in medicine all the time. We understand that in medicine. Trust me, we know what that means, right? So an oncologist uh, dealing with a patient in front of him with you know breast cancer, they have regimen A, B, C, E, F, D, right? They have all these regimens for breast cancer. But whether you're stage one breast cancer, stage four, you're female, you have ovarian cancer as well, and you're also diabetic and blah, blah, blah. And you, you, know, you pile on the medical conditions, you realize, you know what? Regimen C is probably the best. The best, yeah. Right? And so we, we do that every single day. We do that with every single decision when it comes to medicine. But when it comes to finance, it's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> do you think it might be because you're so overworked in your, in your profession that by the time, the small amount of time you actually have to get down to this, you're just like, I really hope this person, whoever it is, can just solve my problem so I don't have to think about it. <laughs> there's, there's some of that. I think there's multifold, right? Multifold. Yeah. The first one is uh, there's a reason why we're into medicine, right? One, uh, we're not very good at math. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's not true. I, I got I got 99% in math to get into med school. But but no, that's that's what that's not what I mean. We're not interested in finance. Right? Yeah, that's why we I got into that's, yeah. that's how we got into medicine. So that's problem number one. We're not interested in finance. We don't want to know about it. We don't want to care about it. I don't even want to hear about it. So that's one reason. The other reason is uh, it's decision fatigue. Yeah, fatigue. Like I, I go to work eight hour day. Uh, I potentially see twenty five people on my shift, and out of those twenty five, I probably made ten decisions each. Yeah, right. So by the time I'm done my shift, I made two hundred fifty critical, life threatening, life saving decisions. Mm -hmm. When I come home, I don't really want to make another decision. Yeah, right? and so decision fatigue is is another another possibility. And the third one is. We have us. We have a trust of people. That's 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 in healthcare, because to be a doctor, to be a nurse, you've acquired the knowledge, the skill, the competence to make those decisions on behalf of your patients. So your patients inherently trust you because of the the, the type of studies we've gone through. And we take that mentality and project it onto other people. We think that other people are the same as we are. Yeah. That, that they've, done, they've done the same studies. They've done the same training, the same rigorous training, and that they've also subscribed to some Hippocratic oath equivalent, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is not true. They haven't. Yeah. And so we project that trust onto other people. And I yeah. think that's where the problem is. 
one, we're not interested. Two, we have decision fatigue. And three, we think those people have the best for us. And you combine all three together and say, well, yeah, you know, whatever Bob at the bank tells me goes because Bob has my best interest at heart. Reality yeah. is it's not. Yeah. I see a few things. The first one is the person who knows has to do something. So like, you know, we'll, I guess, go back to your situation. You know, you're saving money. You know, you have to do something with the money. So at least, you know, that's there. You might know what's best for you, but you know, you have to do something. Well, I'm, I'm going to stop you there for a yeah. minute just to interject. Yeah. I would say a good 50% don't know that, if not more. A good 50%, if not more, don't even know what you just said. Right. Because it, it's it didn't even occur to them. And and here's why. And it's it's by environment. Right. They they come from another country, whether it's, you know, Sudan, China, Romania, whatever it is. They're struggling just to get in There's They don't want to flip the burgers anymore. They don't want to be driving Ubers anymore. Right. They they're struggling just to get in. And the and the process is quite rigorous, you know, to get into the Canadian system and could be a doctor. So they've put all their time, energy, effort just to get there. And by the time they get there, they're now five years behind, seven, 10 years behind financially. Mm -hmm. They put all their money to invest into getting through the door. Yeah. They are now full of debt. And the first thing they think about is, oh my God, I better make this work. <laughs> yeah. And I better pay down the debt. And everything, everything else is forgotten. Like they, they don't, they don't realize that they need to save for the future. They don't realize that if they break a leg and they stop working for six months, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. They, they don't realize that. Yeah, you're ten years behind everybody. Yeah. And so a lot of them are very focused on that, right? And so they're not focused on. Well, how do I save? How do I look at the future? Because I'm already struggling now. Forget about the future. <laughs> right? I'm struggling now. Yeah, I guess you're pretty low on the hierarchy of needs, right? Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's right. Yeah. So so I would say a good 50%, if not more, don't even realize what you just said. And it's important that you make them understand that. That's your okay. job. So what then would you say are the top three things that internationally trained physicians should know when it comes to their finances and let's say these people are in their first two three years of practice so i'm gonna give you a few not necessarily in order mm -hmm. okay um the first things first you've made it this far you've come this far you've invested time sweat money blood you've invested it don't let it fall apart because you broke a leg. Don't let it fall apart because you're burning out or you now have a mental illness. Don't let it fall apart because of some stupid medical condition that happened to you unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that, that you need to do is protect whatever was invested. Whatever was invested, protect it. Like, like, this, this, it, it took you so much just to get this far. You need to protect it. So what am I talking about? Saad, you and I talk about this all the time. Risk yep. mitigation and protection. Yep. Disability right? insurance, critical illness. I actually think critical illness and disability are way more important than life insurance these days. Absolutely. Uh, you Absolutely. know, 
our science has developed to a point where remember back in the day, if an uncle got a heart attack, he probably died right yeah. two weeks ago, uh, later. Yeah. Now that same uncle gets a heart attack and two weeks later, he's back to work. Right. Right. And the, and the reason that person is back to work, not because they were laying on their deathbed hoping, uh, you know, I can't wait to get back to work, but it's because they didn't die. Right. Yeah. They didn't die. Life insurance doesn't pay out. That means mortgage still has to be paid. Car loans still have to be paid. Bills have to be paid. Tax has to be paid. So that's why they're hurrying up to get back to work. Um, so I think critical illness and disability is way more important now in 2023 than life insurance. Obviously, life insurance is there as well. But I think those two CIDI is absolutely critical. What do you think? I, I agree with you 100 um, percent, maybe 120 percent. Um <laughs> But, you know, it's important that these individuals understand that, you know, and, and I'm not sure why we don't. I'm not sure why we don't, because we're physicians after all. Yeah. But we don't understand that medical illness will come at the most in opportune time. <laughs> in inconvenience. It's almost it, always right? inconvenient. <laughs> it's always at the most inopportune time yeah. and most unexpected. And we as physicians, we deal with that all day long, all day long with our patients. But yet when it comes to us, yeah, it doesn't happen. No, I'm, I'm going to be Which immortal. Is so weird. Like, I mean, I do come across those people sometimes. Like we just did one over the weekend. Um, he was declined, first of all. Then my staff, I told him, like, we're not taking this as an, an, as an answer. We're going to get him approved. He needs this coverage. Yeah. Four months of back and forth with the underwriter. Four months after this person got declined, we got an improved contract. Standard. Standard approved contract. That's we amazing. had him like, why don't we fill out this extra form? That'll help them see that you're, everything is fine and you're not going to get this uh, injury. Or let, why don't we do one extra test over here? Go to your physician, do this extra thing so just we can submit that result. There was a lot of work we had to do. But four months later, finally got him standard. And for four months, he's been like, hey, Saad, is it approved now? Is it approved now? You know, so I'm telling him, listen, just just give me some time. We're working on it all the time, just making sure this is but it's, it's a just time now. That's all we need. Finally, gets him, get, get him approved. He's like, let me think about it. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> that's because, that's because he did not understand the principle of life. Yeah. I'm which like... is people get sick and doctors are people. Therefore, yeah. doctors get sick. <laughs> it's, right? it's absolutely crazy because the thing is like we're so... Maybe it's just our co colleagues or society or social media or something or the other, right? It's because, I, and I'm so glad you said this as the first thing, because this is not um, um, water cooler talk, right? You're not bragging about the best critical illness coverage you just got. And if something happens to you, you're going to get a half a million dollars of tax-free money, lump sum, paid to you personally, for example, if that's the way we structure it. That's not water cooler talk, right? So I, because it's not hot or spicy um, and, and people feel that, okay, well, if I just invest this money, I think it'll be okay. But yeah, but not really. <laughs> well, you know what? You, you just made a great point. You just made a great point, and I, I think it's worth talking about it to all the people out there who's listening to you and I right now. 
talking about insurance is not it is not sexy yeah it is not a water cooler conversation it's not like the habs beat the toronto maple Leafs 10 to 0 last night right? it's, <laughs> oh, wow, it's not okay it's not he's that, gonna get political right? in this episode <laughs> right i mean i i want to spice up this podcast right all the people listening in toronto so it's not that, but it's talking about the nitty gritty of getting you protection. And uh, and you and I have seen this pyramid, you know, it's similar to the pyramids of needs from Maslow, but yep. it's the pyramid of financial planning, right? Yep. At the bottom is protection. And what is it really? It's it's insurances, right? D-I-C-I-L-I, right? But so having that protection, having that foundation, it's like building a house. You don't build a house by building the attic. Yeah. You build a house by building the foundation. Once your foundation is solid, your house will be fine, even if there's a tornado, right? And the tornado is that cancer. That tornado is that stroke. That tornado is that heart attack. Once you build a good foundation, your attic is going to survive despite the storm. Yeah. But if you build the if you build the attic first, and the attic is what? Whoa, well, let's talk about crypto. Let's buy yeah. Bitcoin. <laughs> let's let's go. I, I invested in Tesla, you know, like all yeah. these sexy talk around the cocktail party. Yeah. That's that's not what's done that's not what's gonna keep you going for the next 35 years. It's right? it's like it's it's like um and I've come to realize this. Anytime something is too exciting, I, I'm very um weary about it now and and i'm okay with that i'm okay with excitement i mean i need a bit of excitement in my life i I don't mean in like in like personal life you go out and have some fun you know what you mean but but anything exciting like if you just think about it right like so was it exciting to do 10 years of extra schooling to become a physician no you have to just put your head down and do the work get to work right it's boring yes is everybody will remember the picture that they took of you, your parents took of you when you were at the on the stage and got your degree and everything. But that's not what you got there, right? That's the attic. No. What got you there to be a physician is you put your head down, you sacrificed a lot of time with your family and friends, put your head down and did the work. And that's what financial independence is as well. It's Absolutely. not the... It's not the high flying bought Tesla at $50 and sold it at $1,000 and made a million dollars overnight. It's none of those things. It's about... Did you do the boring stuff? Did you do the boring work, which is putting your head down, making sure your illness, critical illness is in place, your disability is in place. And this is the stuff that nobody wants to talk about. But like we tell our clients like, hey, listen, we're not spending hours and hours. It's a lot of time to put together a financial life plan for one person, one family to help them live a rich, fulfilling life. It's a whole staff of people that comes together to make sure that we're going to be able to do this for you. So. We tell them like, hey, listen, like we're not doing all this work just for you to get injured six months later. And everything we just talked about, your kids, your spouse, your maybe your parents that you're looking after back home that you're still spending money to. All of this will disappear overnight. 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 All of this. Now, so, so critical. So, so critical. I mean, I, I have no problem. People tell me all the time, you know, Vu, why don't why don't you want to talk about stocks and bonds and investing in this and investing in real estate? I, by the way, I talk a lot about investing in real estate. Yeah. But but I always say the exact same thing first. Build your foundation and then everything else we can talk about. Yeah. Right? If if you if all you talk about is buying real estate and investing in real estate and investing in Tesla and, and Spotify and whatnot, if you if you haven't done your foundation. Your attic is going to get blown away in the storm. 
and you're right. going to be caught and you're going to be caught at the worst time at the worst in, time in your 50s when you're least expecting it you just bought maybe like a 2 million dollar house and you're thinking you're like you're set and then that's when like god has other plans <laughs> usually <Right>. you know <laughs> so talk about the sexy stuff by all means of course but do the boring stuff first right perfect so we got the first one so what are the other two things okay the second one do not behave like a child in a candy store. Do not behave like a child in a candy store. That's that's number two, right? What do I mean? And the same for us, by the way, whether we're Canadian trained, local trained, or foreign trained, mm-hmm. you know, the first paycheck you get, right? You arrived, right? It's the arrival fallacy, right? Remember yep. that? Yep. The arrival fallacy. I've made it. I've arrived. I've got my first check. It's fifty thousand a month, whatever. Yeah. It's thirty thousand a month, ten thousand yeah. a month, whatever. I'm I'm rolling in money, and it's yeah. just your first check. And yeah. what do you do? You go buy the four million dollar house. Yeah, right. Or I've seen I've I've seen this too. They got their first check. They're now a doctor. They think they're gonna roll in money, right? And um, they have no money to put in the RSP. They have no money to put in the TFSA. They haven't bought the CI. They haven't bought the DI. They haven't even thought about buying life insurance. And they got the BMW X5. Yeah. And then obviously, the first thing that happens is, I've made it. The arrival fallacy. Yeah. And then it's like giving your own three-year-old kid $100 and walk into a candy store. That's essentially what it's the equivalent of. And so people, you wouldn't do that to your three-year-old child. So why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. Make sure, make sure that you, yeah, spend by all means. You've, you've earned it. We've earned it. Yeah. Right. They, they, they've invested sweat, time, blood. They've earned it. But make sure you've done your basics and your foundation before you splurge like that. Because like you say, the wind blows and you'll be left exposed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially a lot of people, and we've seen both sides now, right? I've, I've seen people who wanted to do that right off the bat. And I told them, okay, at least at the minimum, we're going to do the risk mitigation stuff. Let's at least get your CIDI stuff out of the way. You don't want to save for the future right now because the most important thing to you at this point is buying that, you know, two, $3 million home. But you see on the other side as well, a, a lot of people saying, you know what, Saad, I listened to this one video of yours or that one episode that you made or that one video I came across on YouTube as much as I would like to just buy that nice car finally. Just take my money and 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 put it in places where it needs to be first so I can make the smart decision. But imagine how much control that this person needs to have to be in that position, right? So I've seen both sides and 10 out of 10, the person who decided not to splurge on day one and actually at least took care of their kids' education first, um, you know, themselves first, their their risk mitigation and some money aside, 10 out of 10, because I've seen how their lives have grown over over the years. It's like 10 out of 10, the person who just waited, it's that instant gratification essentially, yeah, right? It's the marshmallow it's test. Instant, you know, it's the marshmallow test, instant gratification. Like, just give me that car. Of course, I can afford it. I'm going to get that same 50 grand next month. And then the month after that, OHIP or whatever college in province you're in is going to yeah. continue to give that check every month. And you're like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. 
But before you know it, you know that other principle, as in, it, um, he talks about it in psychology of money as well, which is um, it's not you're not just buying that uh, the the uh, the story he gave in that book was you're not just buying the Gucci belt, right? Because you're not just going to be wearing like clothes from Walmart on a on a Gucci belt. No, because once you no. get the Gucci belt, now you got to get the pants to go along with it. Okay, well, yeah. that's another thousand bucks. Now of you course. need a shirt to match it. Okay, well that's another six hundred bucks. Now you need the shoes. Now you need the glasses. Now you need all of this. All of a sudden, it wasn't just the Gucci belt. It's the whole thing. So it's not right. just the two million dollar home. Two million dollar home is the Gucci belt. After that, you're getting thirty thousand dollars of furniture. Then you're getting your deck made in the backyard. Should we get a pool this summer? Okay, of well course. you know what? Maybe let's do that. Why? not because i'm getting that right. 50 grand next month well it's not <laughs> just that it's not just that i'm a physician i deserve a pool yeah yeah well that too like who's right. gonna stop me i've worked my whole life i'm now in my 40s i deserve this and i'm gonna get this but that might not be the best thing for your future well a lot of this is is a deprivation right you know about deprivation yep. i i definitely learned i definitely lived deprivation my entire life so you 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 come here from another country, you go through your schooling, you invested to do NAC OSCE, you know, LMCC one, LMCC two, LMCC five hundred, whatever <laughs> it is, right? And you you pass the exams, you pass the residency, and now you're in your forties and you say, God damn it, I've done everything. And now now I've got fifty grand coming next month. I need to reward myself. Yeah. And then and then all that learning deprivation and uh, delayed gratification that we've learned throughout our entire life just boom disappeared yeah. because yeah. I was just given a hundred bucks to walk into a candy store. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all that learning that we've had just disappeared because my colleague, by the way, Vu, you know, that Emerge guy. He's yeah. driving a BMW. Yeah. And and he lives in Have a you seen his house? house. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. We right? want He's that. living in a four million dollar house in Oakville, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I I'll tell you this story. I'll tell you this story. A friend of mine that I've mentored for the longest time. She's a physician from China. I've mentored for the longest time. I've have her worked in my clinic as an IMG seeing patients and reviewing patients with me and making sure she keeps her clinical, you know, acumen. And then she went to do her residency five years, uh, took another five years. She was probably 40 something by now. And she finally made it and graduated last year. Oh, wow. Right? Last year. Okay. Last year. So after almost 11 years, almost after 11 years, since I've known her. Yeah. So now after 11 years, she's now finally made it. And I and she works with me now as as an associate. And I cross her in the corridor. How are you doing? I'm moving. Where are you going? I'm moving to Oakville. I'm like, but don't you live near the clinic? Yeah, yeah. I, in, I'm in Scarborough, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Don't you live in Scarborough? Yeah, but we're moving. I'm like, where are you moving to Oakville? I'm like, why? Is your house like power like, drive each way? <laughs> right. Like, what's wrong with your house in Scarborough? No, no, no. I need a better house. Yeah. Right. I'm like, but your house in Scarborough is paid off. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm getting a new house in Oakville, $4 million. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what is it that you're doing? <laughs> right. And one year into practice, took her 11 years to get there. Yeah. Has a bunch of debt. Yeah. Right. No CI, no DI, no LI. Yeah. Right. 
and in her first year decides, you know what, I'm gonna buy a house in Oakland. It's time. For me. It's time because I deserve it. Yeah. And I, I'm like, this is not the way you should be planning your financial future. I mean, if you want to move to Oakville, give it some time. Make sure that you build your foundation. And whatever comes, comes the wind blows, but you'll have your foundation and then you can have your house in Oakville. But you, this is not the time. You, you know, like, so I had this conversation with somebody recently, and I think this is going to um, shed light to, I guess, I think many listeners. I tell our, our, our clients, our prospective clients, that it is not for me to judge what it is you want from your life. Our main question that we ask is, what is your rich, fulfilling life? And you have the, you can literally tell us whatever you want. And if a part of your rich, fulfilling life is to do that, because what you just said is, uh, is a conversation we have with somebody else who was in the U.S., moved here to uh, Toronto, works downtown, uh, uh, um, you know, at the general hospital, but he wants to be in Mississauga. So they're like, okay, we'll buy this nice $2 million home in Mississauga. I'm like, great, no problem, because that's what his rich, fulfilling life was. And what I told him and his wife is, it's great that you want to do this. You're 45, 46 now. You've been renting for the last like six, seven years. You feel like you finally deserve this, I guess, right? And um, maybe it is time because your kids are growing older. You have two kids. They're, I think, 11 and seven. They need some more space to run around and this and that. Amazing. No problem. But I told them that, listen, I, I, I'm not judging or anything, but you have paid us to make sure that you make rational decisions regarding your finances in the future. That's our job. So if you don't mind, let me educate you on what this decision will do for your future. If after that, you still want to go ahead and buy that $2 million single detached home in Mississauga and now drive 40 minutes to work because right now you're renting in a condo like literally 10 minutes from work. <laughs> you know, If you'd like to do that after, amazing, no problem. That's going to be part of your financial life plan and we'll go ahead with that and that's the way we're going to finalize it. But if you choose to take a different route, then obviously we can make change things up. I told him, the opportunity cost of you buying that home will set you back minimum five years. You may have been financially independent at 60, even though you just started practicing in Canada at 45. The way we're going to plan this out, the way we're going to save the taxes, the way we're going to get you the income, the way we're going to grow your assets and give you the passive income, I'm pretty much saying that in about 15 years, you'll be financially independent. But if you buy this home, it's going to cost you an extra five years to be financially independent. Is that okay for you? And he thought about it, him and his wife. And he's like, give me a couple of days. Let me get back to you. When he finally did, he's like, you know what, Saad? Thank you so much for having that conversation. Because in my mind, $2 million house, what? Maybe $10,000 mortgage, $11,000. Well, I make 50, 10 goes there. Great. But he's like, but I wasn't thinking about the tax I'm going to have to pay, right? Because 10 grand to get it out of the corporation is just the mortgage. I haven't even paid for food yet, <laughs> right? So thank you so much for having that conversation. And the plan that we ended up moving forward with was because I told him, listen, that $2 million house, it's going to come to you. Maybe just now is not the time. And if you still go ahead, no problem. We're going to make it work. However, if you just buy a townhouse today, so not for $2 million, but if you go from a condo, a two-bedroom condo in downtown Toronto to a freehold townhouse, let's say you get a, something around 2,000 square feet, it'll probably set you back about 1.1, 1 1.2. 1 
not two million dollars. But right. that 1.1, 1.2 is now all of a sudden going to be about five grand of mortgage. Now you can actually pay for your lifestyle, food, groceries, car bills, get the nice car you want, all of that. And we can all make it work in about 12 grand a month rather than your mortgage is starting from 10, 11 grand a month. Right. Yeah. And I think the that onus is on us. Of course. But that onus. 100% is on us. Yeah, but not 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 always, not always. I mean, I at the end of the day, Saad, we are the decision makers of our own life. And at the end of the day, we we decide we either take advice or we don't take advice. Mm -hmm. Right? And what you just said there is no different than what I call left against medical advice. Okay. If, if we're talking, if our audience are physicians out there, the audience know what LAMA is. LAMA, left yep. against medical advice. So you're a patient of mine or I have a patient and I will tell them, you should do this, you should do that because it is in your best interest that you do this. While I understand and respect your values, and I'm not to say that I'm, I'm not, I understand and respect your values. Here's the best way you're going to get there. And here's what I advise you to do. Now, you can decide to go different route. And if you do, I may or may not support you. Okay? Because if something that you do is totally irrational and will actually make your health worse, I will not in support of making your life worse. But if you're taking a decision that is something that is not exactly mine, but still reasonable, <laughs> yeah. then I will help you get there. Mm -hmm. But at some point, I will say you're doing against medical advice. Yeah. And and that doesn't mean that I won't. That It doesn't mean that I'm against your values. It just means that I understood your value, but still it's not the right thing to do. It's just not no. rational. It's, it's it doesn't make rational. the most sense for you. Right. Now, if it if it's if it's somewhat reasonable and it still respects your values, then I would say, yeah, of course, I will help you. Like the same way you are helping your client, it's not the best, but I I understand, and it's it's okay, it's yeah. doable, but it's not gonna totally destroy your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like I I bet you, if it's totally gonna destroy his life, would you still support him in doing it? No way, I wouldn't take them on. Of course, you it's a now it's on. now a liability for us essentially, actually. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So the same thing in medicine. And we as physicians understand that, right? Yeah. You say left against medical advice, everybody knows what that means. Yeah. So in essence, what we need to communicate to your client or to our, our patients is here's option one, here's option two. Option two is probably not the best as option one. It's reasonable. Option three, which is what you wanted to do, not a good thing. Like yeah. I wouldn't support option three three but mm -hmm. you want to do option two which is not the best i'm still going to be okay with that yeah and 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 in finance is exactly the same um you know you've you probably know the term you know house rich life poor yep so you put you put your entire two million into this house but then you haven't done your dici you haven't done the rest you haven't saved for emergency funds right and then what happens the, the storm comes and blow off your attic, right? And you Interest have no rates go from 2% to 7% within a year. And now your mortgage has pretty much like increased by 60%. Right. But not just that, you know, you, you, you're now 50. Yeah. You suffer a heart attack. Yeah. 
On top of that, yeah. On top of that, right? Yeah. It happens at the worst time, right? That's life. It's called life. It happens at the yeah. worst time. So you have a heart attack and you can't work for the next year. How are you going to pay for a $10,000 mortgage every month? You yeah. can't. You're going to have to sell your house. Yeah. So as much as you want to help them reach their rich, fulfilling life, there's a certain amount of reason that you say, yeah, I'm going to help you get there, but not this way. Because if you're going to do this way, all it takes is a little pebble on the road and you're going to fall off your bike. Yeah. And if you, if you fall yeah. off your bike, yeah. forget about the rich, fulfilling life that I promised you. It's forget not going it. to happen. It's not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And so we need to get around. We need to get our minds around that. Yeah. No, like I think it's 100%, right? You're right. Like if that's why we always have that introduction conversation first to see if we can actually help you live a rich fulfilling life because if you tell me something crazy that i know we can't deliver this is not going to work so i guess in in my mind now moving forward it's going to be llama llama yeah llama right um so i like that uh okay so let's uh um the third one uh, one last thing i guess uh, to um break it up i'm I'm pretty sure i'm going to have to have you come on more often because these conversations always end up being a bit longer than, <laughs> you know, most conversations. But the, the last one is, uh, Vu, if it's not a, a bit too uh, intimate uh, or personal, uh, you can just tell me if it is not a problem. But what is your rich, fulfilling life? What are you working towards? Uh, and are you living one today? I am absolutely living one today. I'll tell you, I'm almost 50. Uh, when I first started at 26, my rich, fulfilling life, my goal dream was, uh, you know, be, become a professor at the university uh, and and travel the world and uh, and make all these, you know, presentations and being well known and et cetera. And at, at almost at 50, my rich, fulfilling life is I just want to stay at home with my kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's essentially how it turned out to be. Yeah. For me, for me, my rich, fulfilling life is I want to spend as much time as possible with my kids and my wife and my family. Yeah. And I'm living it. Yeah. So how how did I even get here? I got here because I was able to put the foundations, the LI, the DI, the LI, the, the CI. I, I've done it. The other thing that I've done is I've saved enough for my retirement. Uh, and I've planned for when I'm no longer here. Mm-hmm. So if I'm no longer here two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 25 years from now, when I'm no longer here, what will happen to my kids, my wife, my family? I've planned all that out. It's it's clear in my mind what's going to happen. Yeah. And so now I live a very financially carefree life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I live a financially carefree life, I'm no longer tied by the next paycheck. Yeah. Now, that is easy to say for someone who's practiced 24 years of medicine. Vu, people will say, Vu, but you've had 24 years of medicine. You've, you've made it. Uh, I agree. Fair enough. I've got a lot of my colleagues who are at my age or worse, 50, 55, who are not where I am. Oh, right. for sure. Easily. I meet right. them. Yeah. Right. All the time. They're not. They're, yeah. they're still chasing that next paycheck. Yeah. 
And for your audience, the the foreign trained physicians, what is it that you need to live that rich, fulfilling life? Is really look at what is your goal, right? You're you're probably in your late forties, maybe fifties, and you're getting back into the saddle, and you're working. And what is it exactly that's your rich, fulfilling life? Is it again to go up the university ladder, to make a professor, to make a million dollars a year, like whatever that is? You have to figure out: is this is this what I really, really want to do? Uh, and maybe rethink that. And two, how do I get there? You know, how do I get the most efficiently possible? Because we, yeah. at the end of the day, I think we will all get there. To be honest, Saad. Yeah, I, I think physicians are in a very privileged situation in society that we will all get there because we make a great income. So we will all get there. The problem is, will you leak <laughs> yeah. along the way? How much are, are you leaking? Yeah. Are you, how much are you leaking? And are you going to get there as quickly as possible, the most efficient way possible? Yeah. And with your help, hopefully that they'll get there the most efficient way possible. Yeah. You, you, you know what? Uh, I got one of the best compliments last week from one of our clients. Um, and we get quite a lot, which is, you know, I guess I'm thankful and grateful for that. But this one, I'm probably going to remember for the rest of my life, because this one is a conversation I was having with uh, with this person. And he has known because uh, um, he's a client. His medical group is mostly a client. I've, I've met all of them and this and that. And uh, the general joke is no uh you know physician is taking clients but he'll take them because he wants to make sure that he can uh, uh help out and but he's always been the person who's concerned about his future wants to make sure that like am i making enough money am i saving enough money is all of this happening so he's been working 6 days a week 7 days a week for as long as anybody can remember right just because no planning done nothing now obviously everything is set for him every he's good so that's when the best compliment we've ever received we got he looked at me and it's like sad i want to let you know that for the rest of the summer i've officially decided that i will no longer be working weekends that's amazing and the, and the reason for that is because of the planning we did i know exactly what's going to happen i know when i'm going to be financially independent I know when I can retire. I know my kids are going to be okay. I know if I die tomorrow, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, my kids are going to be okay. My wife is going to be okay. I know that everything that I want from life, I'm doing right now. So that extra money that I want to make on that Saturday actually has no difference to me. I don't actually- no, It has it. no meaning. No meaning. That, that extra two grand that you'll make for that day, absolutely nothing. So he's like, so I'm choosing now to spend that Saturday with my two sons. Absolutely. And I told him, thank you so much for telling me this, because this is what your life, the planning was all about for you to finally feel comfortable where you can be in this position and take that Saturday off. So I think that's it. That's what this is all about, right? That's what the rich, fulfilling life is all about. Yeah. For that, for that individual, that's what that meant. Yeah. Right. You know, not everybody you can, you can help, but um, as long as I think we keep educating people and, um, and giving the best advice at all times, I, I, hopefully we're going to make a pretty big impact in the Canadian medical industry um, to really help them. Well, I it's mean, important. That, yeah, it's very important. I mean, what I do on my podcast 
is I educate. Like yeah. I, I don't have the CLU, the CFP, the RCC, and the, yeah. and all, all the alphabet, yeah. all the other alphabet yeah. soup you have behind your 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 name. I only have an MD behind my name. <laughs> so what I try to do is I just try to educate. Yeah. And then once I educate, I I hand it over to you, right? Yeah. Uh, to actually do the uh, the nitty gritty work with them, but but the the education is important because we are the dumbest smart people I know. Yep. And so how to correct that is education. And it's important nowadays because of burnout. Burnout is a, is a massive issue in our community, in our, in our profession. And I strongly believe that burnout is tied to personal finance and income. Oh, for sure. Like hundred percent. I have this, I I don't know if it's true, but I have this strong belief that, um, so during the pandemic and during everything, we didn't receive one phone call from any of our clients saying that they're burning out. And we asked them, like, hey, I'm hearing a whole bunch of burnout in the medicine field. Why have none of you called me saying, oh, moving forward, my income will decrease a little bit. So we have to stop saving a little less money or this and that. None. Of, we had zero of those. And to boil it down to one answer, all of them pretty much said is because we have great clarity over our future. So if I wanted to take a day off here and there to feel better, I did because I knew that exactly how the money is working, where the money is going and how I'm going to be okay. So that extra money I would have gotten in those shift or that next day or even the next day, I was perfectly fine taking that off. And that helped, helped us not get burnout. So my belief is the more we help internationally trained physicians live a rich, fulfilling life, the better clarity over their finances they will have and the better doctors they will be because now you're not stressed about money. So you can actually give your full focus on your patients. That's the point, right? Yeah. That's the point is um, you, you master your financial independence and you will become a better doctor. Yeah. I I see a, I see a very clear correlation. Now it's very funny. I see it. You see it. Everybody sees it but nobody ever studies it. You know, mm. if you look at, if you look at all the studies out there and I just saw an article today coming out from the dialogue on the CPSO um, journal, you know, mm. we, there was an article about burnout, you know, all these factors about burnout, but nowhere in that article ever mentions financial well-being. Never. Stress, yeah. Right. None of us want to talk about it. It's, it's not a, it money and income doesn't exist in our world. Yeah. So which is no which one... is crazy because it's like you're a human being, you know that, and you no, know you no, we're not doctors yeah. are not human beings. No. <laughs> no, no, what are you saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. Right? Right. Sad. Wrong terminology. You, you know me all these years. You know, you know I'm yeah. not a person, right? I may be yeah, an AI or maybe a robot, yeah. but, <laughs> but I'm definitely yeah. not human. Yeah, no, it's unfortunate, but you know, we uh We'll keep doing our work and hopefully everything will kind of work out. Uh, well, keep best. doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, because what you're doing is is amazing to help uh, physicians from foreign countries who come here who uh, worse than I am. Like I, I was totally oblivious. Uh, these individuals, not only are they oblivious to the financial well-being, but they're also struggling just to understand the system. So, yeah. so what you're doing is important. No, thank you so much. Um, so I think with that, I think this was a pretty valuable episode. Uh, so we'll definitely have you on the uh, on our show probably 
in the next little while because there was a lot more questions I had to get through, <laughs> but we didn't really get through them. Uh, and we're definitely, you know, getting at that time. So uh, thank you so much, Vu, for being here. I really do appreciate it. Um, and uh, look forward to obviously continuing our friendship. It means a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you, Saad, for having me. As, as I said, I've waited three years, so I'm going <laughs> to sit by the phone again, hopefully not for another three years. No, thank you so much, Wu. Take care. And Take for care. everybody, I hope you start your rich, fulfilling life today. Okay, there you go. That was a very long podcast. And if you stay to the very end, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, there were a lot of, a lot of learning points and a lot of good nuggets. But also, I hope that this episode made you reflect on where you are, where you want to be and how you want to get there. And it's important because we are currently living in a time where medicine is difficult, taking care of patients is difficult, and taking care of ourselves is also difficult. And if you guys believe what I just said there is that our mental health, our burnout, is directly tied to our financial well-being. And if we don't have financial well-being, it is just going to trigger and also worsen your burnout. So please, if you must listen to this podcast one more time, and please reflect on what we have talked about. Thank you very much for listening this far. And uh, if you like this podcast or you like what we said, Please email me and give me some feedback. Also, let me know what you would like to hear for next podcast. Please share with your friends, especially those who are newly trained foreign physicians or those who started their career late and are still struggling. And so please share with your colleagues, with your friends and with um, your pets as well. My email is hmfhd2020 at gmail.com, hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.